1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 152. Happy Fourth of July weekend to everybody out there. Scott, how you doing?
2: I'm good. Happy Fourth of July weekend. We got ourselves an interesting one with uh, it landing on Tuesday, so I have a feeling a lot of people bookended the, uh, the weekend to stretch this thing out, and I think you're one of them
1: exactly what I did made a little five day weekend for myself. I love when holidays fall on either a Tuesday or Thursday, because that means you just dick off from work the entire week. And it's like you have a whole week of vacation. It's a beautiful thing.
2: Yeah, it's a really good opportunity for people that uh, to do that. So hopefully people take advantage of it. When you work from home, like me, there's no vacation or off days. So I don't even know what day it is. It's very confusing. Holidays, regular days, Sundays, they all they're all exactly the same to me.
1: That is true. Work from home people do get kind of screwed around the holidays, but the rest of the time they have it better than everybody else.
2: Debatable. I think it's, uh, you know, you take your good with the bad, but I understand how people that work in offices are, are envious of people that don't.
1: At
2: well, the same ho- time, I like human contact. <laughs> and and when you go to an office, you actually get that. Whereas I talk to Mattingly.
1: Right. That's what I was just going to say. You got a dog, which is uh, <laughs> potentially better than human contact. <laughs>
2: that's true. She doesn't talk back. <laughs>
1: Well, hopefully the Yankees haven't ruined everybody's holiday weekend out there.
2: Yeah. Well, it was a uh, man, starting with starting with Dustin Fowler and then the the rest of the weekend it was a, it was an interesting weekend for sure. To say the least. I I'd, I'd say with with the call-ups and everything there was a lot of stuff that happened. Still bad baseball, but <laughs> there was a lot of things that happened other than the bad
1: baseball. Oh, that's a running theme on this show for the last couple of weeks is bad baseball. It's,
2: it's <laughs> supposed to correct itself. It's supposed to correct itself by now. Mm-hmm.
1: Before we get into everything, you want to do a little update on an event we have coming up in September?
2: Yeah, so we have teased uh, just, a, a, I think, one time or maybe twice we teased that we were going to be doing another event. Obviously, everybody knows about the June 10th event that we had been talking about and that we had a successful turnout with over 300 people. We're doing one more this season leading into 2018, where, we, where we're going to be doing a whole bunch more, uh, but September 30th. Hopefully right before a playoff run, it's going to be a a big game at the stadium. We have practically, you know, the the sections that we had, 205 and 206, we have even more of those sections for this time. We have a lot of tickets available. And um, yeah, it's going to be, again, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be doing some different things. I don't have all the details right now. We're still working through them. But, uh just just mark on your ca- calendar if you were at the last one you know what it is if you didn't come to the last one make sure that you have September 38 which is a Saturday afternoon game uh mark down on your calendar so that you can make it to this event and hang out with the BP crew in right field so it's gonna be fun
1: that's a blue Jays matchup so another it is a blue Jays matchup.
2: yeah yeah we had an opportunity to do the Orioles another Orioles game in September but I don't know I felt like we did the Orioles game, so let's let's see somebody else and the Blue Jays are uh, are, are going to be towards the later and it's going to be a re- I think it's going to be an extremely big game because whether we're playing well or not and we're in the in the hunt for the division or not, I still think that at least that second wild card is going to be in play no matter what because I think that one's going to go down to a lot of teams. So I have a feeling the last week of baseball is going to be extremely important.
1: And you know what? If the Yankees are out of it, maybe Aaron Judge will be going for the home run record.
2: There could be a lot of things happening at that point, you know. There, there, if nothing else, there will be a lot of kids up.
1: <laughs> That's true. With uh, with the call ups of Tyler Wade and Clint Fraser this week, we wanted to take this opportunity to rem- remind everybody we actually talked to those guys. Uh, it might have been before a lot of listeners were listening. So the Clint Fraser episode is episode one hundred and three. He did an entire hour with us, and he was uh, couldn't have been a nicer guy. That's why all of the reports about Fraser being um, hockey or whatever uh, all the negative stuff scott and i just didn't get because we talked to him and and he couldn't have been nicer we also talked to tyler wade that was episode 112 we have blake rutherford which was 113 rob refsnyder was 96 ben heller was 124 justice sheffield was 127 clark schmidt was 147 and chance adams was 143 (laughs) we're running up quite the list of players scott
2: yeah. And one more thing on Clint Frazier to, to kind of give you some background on what happened during that interview also, or actually leading up to that interview. Frazier was, we had a time schedule. I don't remember what time it was, but he was in like heavy traffic coming going home from Atlanta, like super heavy traffic, was going to be late. Didn't go all the way home, went to a buddy's house that was closer and used his computer and his all his stuff to do an interview with us so that he wasn't even later. And then, like you said, did it basically an entire hour. So like not only did this kid, uh, you know, have the the courtesy to to not even push it as far back as he could have by what by going all the way home, and we would have waited, I, we understood, but you know, he's just like he's just a nice dude, and I think he was, uh, you know, unfortunately just misunderstood and taken out of context in so many different times that people have a, a misconception of who he is. Um, but yeah, really he's nice dude. He's a
1: confident player, which he's is com- yeah. exactly what you want out of a exactly. professional athlete.
2: Yeah, but and the and the the person nice dude very yeah. very nice guy
1: exactly uh before we get into everything i want to take a minute to tell you guys about hello fresh which is the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking more fun so you can focus on the whole experience not just the final plate each week hello fresh creates new and delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designated to take about 30 minutes which is perfect amount of time to cook a meal Uh, HelloFresh sources the freshest ingredients measured to exact quantities needed so there's no food waste and you're not confused with how much you should use all the spices are all laid out there for you. So it's basically plug and play. Um, They deliver it right to your door in a recyclable insulated box for free. Uh, They're now offering light and light summer meals so you can keep that beach body going. Every meal is less than $10, which is a great price. Uh, I know I used it, Scott. You used it as well. It was it was really easy to use, which was the best part because there's nothing I hate more than having to come home from work and then slave over the, over the oven for an hour. I just want something that tastes good quickly. So our listeners, for thirty dollars off, you can get your first uh, for thirty dollars off in your first week of HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code Pinstripes30. Again, HelloFresh.com. Enter promo code Pinstripes30. So, Scott, last week we said that the White Sox series, because the White Sox are a bad team, was a perfect opportunity for the Yankees to get back on their winning way, and it just did not happen.
2: It kind of happened. It almost really happened. I mean, you know, when you split a series, it's better than losing the entire thing and getting swept, but oh. there were there were so many opportunities where they, they should have won that series and uh, you know, I, I would say take momentum into Houston, but we all know that momentum so far over the past three weeks means absolutely nothing because it changes from every single pitch, from every single inning, depending on who's throwing the ball. There's just so many different factors, apparently, with this Yankees team. Uh, but, yeah, they missed opportunities, that's for sure.
1: Especially in that game, and this is a common theme with the bullpen blowing it, but that it was that Tuesday game that they blew in Chicago, which we talked on the last episode. I mean, that was an easy opportunity to take three out of four from Chicago um, and right now, the Yankees are now three games back. For a while, the Red Sox and the Rays, they were playing 500 ball as well. So while the Yankees were losing more than they were winning, they were still leading the division. And it was crazy because we were saying, it's not going to last. It's not going to last. Well, the Red Sox are 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. They just absolutely, uh, uh, Mookie Best just had eight RBIs over the weekend. They're rolling their pitching staff. From the leadoff
2: spot. From the leadoff spot. Yeah,
1: their pitching staff is is really feeling it. Chris Sales probably gonna start the all-star game. The Yankees have absolutely destroyed all of the good play they did in April and May. All that they had a four-game lead at one point in this division. Now they're three games back.
2: Yeah, and and to say that it could be a lot worse is actually pretty funny because it could be a lot worse. With the amount of losses that the Yankees have taken over the past three weeks, the you know they got really lucky. The fact that the rest of the division was playing you know mediocre baseball. So I guess the three games back, while it's not optimal, it's it's uh, th- look the bottom line is this this All Star break needs to come now. This team <laughs> looks tired. They look completely flat, and they need a break. They all need a break.
1: Well, there's a lot of them going to the All-Star Game.
2: It's a mental break. I'm not even saying just physical. They just need to get away from Yankee baseball for a little bit.
1: Right. Yeah. It's so true. Uh, sometimes the All-Star breaks can do that for a team.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think when you get just a, a nice change of pace in anything, you know, whether it's work, whether it's you know things you're doing at home, like every anything, if you change your daily routine a little bit for a few days, just to kind of refresh yourself, to to you know get back that motor. I, I think it can help a lot of a lot of different people with, uh, with their productive with their production, with the, with their mindset, with so many different things that they can kind of just hit the reset button and be like okay, second half of the year, let's go.
1: It could also help some guys get healthy because they also have a lot of injuries on this team.
2: Yeah, that's definitely one thing that's going to help for sure because those guys are not going to be playing so they will have more time when there's no baseball happening for uh, for to get healthy and, and hopefully it looks like CC is gonna be back sooner Tuesday. than later Tuesday. Yeah, so Fourth that's, of July. that's all good stuff. And then he'll have, which is a little... It's interesting to, that they're going to throw him before the All-Star break. I guess just because right now they need arms. Dude, they arms. need it. They just need arms. And that's why he's coming back. I think if they were in a better situation, they would rather hold him back until after the All-Star break. But at this point, it's all hands on deck.
1: Yep. And speaking of injuries, that Dustin Fowler injury was... Honestly, one of the most sick and twisted things in baseball I've ever seen. He was one batter away from making his his first ever at-bat. He goes out there going balls to the wall in right field. And honestly, he had no chance at catching that ball, but I understand what he was doing. He was was amped up. I mean, he wants to be playing hard. It's his first game, and he just runs into the wall, and it was an ugly-looking injury.
2: I couldn't even watch the rest of that game. I had... I mean, I had it on for a little bit. One, it was late as hell. Two, it, it, I just couldn't watch baseball after watching that. That really was very, very difficult to watch. And it wasn't even the injury that people, you know, we've seen gruesome injuries on TV before. Like, to me, that wasn't even the thing. It was just the emotional, the look of uh, on his face after he tried to step back and then try to put weight on his, on his knee was just crushing. I mean, it was just emotionally crushing because you knew that it was a major injury. You, you could tell all over his face that this was it. Like there was something very, very wrong going on. And then when Girardi comes out and, and puts his hands over his face, oh, that like, picture there, there was all. something visible th- that they all saw that the cameras couldn't see. And uh, and yeah, it was just, you knew it was bad. So I, well, I felt so bad for him.
1: That picture of Girardi, like I said, it says it all because he had already in that series, Starling Castro go down with injury. It's one thing after another with this team, and he probably, he felt so bad for the kid, waiting his whole life to get called up to the major leagues and then doesn't even get to bat. I I, I sort of stumbled upon the fact that Moonlight Graham, which I, I think a lot of people don't realize is a real person uh, because it's the story of... Um, Field oh, of Dreams. Field of Dreams. Of course, drawing a blank on the on the name of the movie at this point. But he made his major league debut, didn't get to bat on June 29th, 1905. June 29th of this year is when Dustin Fowler played. And I just stumbled across that on Moonlight Graham's baseball reference page. And when I when I saw it, I was almost in disbelief like somebody had messed with the baseball reference page.
2: Yeah, it's weird. That's a very strange coincidence. There's a lot of there's a lot of very eerie parallels that that go along with that. I mean, granted, Dustin Fowler should be back full health, fully healthy and ready to go in spring training, and we'll have another opportunity if all goes well. And uh, you just you just hope for the kid that that you know one I, from everything I've heard about the injury, and God knows I'm not a doctor, nor do I know what the hell I'm talking about. But I'm just t- let it, from what we've seen about this type of injury, the faster you get to it and and close the rupture and make sure that it's you know fully back mended. The, the better the outcome can be with flexibility and strength and all those things. And, and they got to it very fast, and they, they repaired it that night. so
1: The word um, ruptured yeah. is one of the grossest-sounding things for an injury.
2: Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. Can it's, we
1: just agree that any time a game starts after 11 p.m. Eastern time, it's, it's bad news?
2: Yeah, I I mean, I don't know why they were so determined to get that game in. I mean, everybody, there were so many people on Twitter. First of all, people on Twitter need to relax with there are all these conspiracy theories about being sent up and being sent down. And if the rain didn't happen, come on. I mean, look, the the game was being played. The guy ran hard trying to impress because he's trying to show his hustle. And it was just an unfortunate situation. It had nothing to do with the, the situation. But that being said... Why do we have to play a game at 11 o'clock at night from the first inning on?
1: Well, because um, apparently, well, obviously the Yankees were flying straight to Houston and they don't play the White Sox again this year, so there's no opportunity of a doubleheader. They would have had to find a common off day and I'm not sure that there is a common off day.
2: Well, I, they, they flex a lot of games at the end of the season for this exact situation, you know, for, for finding that type of thing. And not only, like you said, they're flying to Houston that next day to play. So that's even worse by st- by... Letting them start a game at eleven o'clock and then have to go to Houston after that game's gonna obviously end at the butt crack of dawn and you got to go all the way to Houston and play a game that very next day I mean that's to me that's a it's bad it's a bad job by the um by the uh, the umpiring crew in my opinion so it's baseball baseball has the ultimate call on that at that point I assume
1: yeah I think it's up to it's up to major League baseball isn't it It's not up to the white sox.
2: No, I'm not talking about the White Sox. I'm saying it's the umpire crew. I mean, back in the day, the umpire crew was making that final decision. But I have to believe yeah, that they're the talking, crew to is the, talking to the New York.
1: Yeah, they're talking to the people who are monitoring the weather. Joe, fat Joe West isn't out there looking at his weather app, deciding not if the weather, play the but game. it
2: had to, but it had to do with the schedule. I mean, you're saying that 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 the that the the, the the fact that they didn't play and there was no common off days went into it as well. So Major yeah. League Baseball at a higher level is making the decision to keep going on that game and to stick it through. To an 11 o'clock start time.
1: The powers that be.
2: Yeah, the powers that be. The man upstairs.
1: Yankees are cursed on getaway days in Chicago because when they played the Cubs in May, they had an 18-inning game and didn't get out of there until 3 o'clock in the morning. And then they couldn't even uh, have a quick game against the White Sox. They had to have all that rain delay. But it didn't hurt the team when they flew to Houston because they scored 13 runs the next day. They just didn't carry that momentum into the rest of the series.
2: Yeah. See, I, unfortunately, I think you you're kind of riding that adrenaline, and then the next it's the next day that re- you really crash. I, I feel like your body almost doesn't have time to crash yet, but that next day you're like, "Goddamn, I'm I'm exhausted."
1: The it's a ro- ironic that exactly one week to the day after Chris Carter gets DFA'd, he finds himself back in the Yankee lineup as the starting first baseman.
2: Yeah, it's almost it's almost poetic, isn't it? It's it's something that was. Made for a movie. I mean, it's the greatest comeback story ever written. We're watching it with our
1: own eyes. It's going to be a Disney movie one day.
2: Yeah, he does look like a Disney character. I don't His facial expression doesn't change too much. He does look like a cartoon character. So <clears> it, might, it be a, might be a nice little model.
1: So has the one week off for Carter done him good?
2: I mean, you know, he, he came out with the bat, right? He was uh, he was hot. What do you go, two for five in that first game and had a nice little assist to Michael Pineda at first base?
1: <laughs> yeah, that play, that... <laughs> God, I just imagine him, just him and Pineda, which are two big boys running into one another.
2: Yeah, they're not the most coordinated looking guys, too. When they're when they get their motor going, it's uh, not not a lot's going to going to stop them except for impact. But You're, yeah, it was tough. It was a it was a it was good luck by Chris Carter. He's got everything going for him right now.
1: You're right, though, Chris Carter. He also had the RBI on Sunday, which saved the Yankees' shutout streak. But even though he is slightly better with the bat in this Houston series, he's still closing his eyes over at first base, and he missed that pickoff attempt of Batances. I'm not excusing what Batances did on Saturday night, but Carter just flat out missed that ball.
2: It's, I'm not, we're not joking when we say he plays with his eyes closed. He legitimately closes his eyes earlier than everybody else in baseball. I, we need a stat for this. Can we get an advanced metric on... How the eyes, how how fast the eyes shut <laughs> before the ball either hits the bat or makes contact with the glove? Because I'm telling you, it's a full second b- uh, before anybody else in baseball.
1: This is a an adv- This is a sports science. One of those ESPN things that they do. Yeah, with
2: the amount of with the amount of uh, radar guns and just lasers that are going through all of the stadiums, I'm pretty sure we can get a a feed rate on how fast he blinks his eyes.
1: I saw a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people doing this, and they'll either tweet me or we'll get mailbag questions or something where they blame Girardi for for the call-ups and the send-downs. Why did Girardi call up Chris Carter? Why isn't Girardi calling up so-and-so, Clint Frazier, or whoever it be? Do people understand that Joe Girardi doesn't make those decisions? That's Brian Cashman's decision. Joe Girardi makes the lineup out. Whoever is on I mean, the, in the roster is what Girardi is, is, is dealing with. He doesn't, I mean, he'll, he'll be in those discussions, but it's not up to Girardi on who gets called up from Scranton or who gets sent down or who gets DFA'd.
2: No, no, it's not his call, but yeah, he's in the room. You know, he's, he's assisting that he's consulting on the decision. There's no doubt. Um, And I have a feeling a lot of the decision making is based off of what Joe is saying, but he can't be watching all these guys in AAA either. He's got a whole, he's got a major league roster to, to worry about. He can't be, you know, sitting back and watching tape of AAA guys to see how they're doing.
1: So I just, we will never hesitate to criticize Joe Girardi. I think we do our fair share of it, but I think we're also pretty objective and we'll say when he didn't do anything wrong or he actually made the right calls. Like Saturday night, he hands the ball to Dellin Batanzas with a three-run lead. You got to win that game. That's not Joe Girardi's fault that, that Dylan Batanzas went out there and crapped all over the mound. He did what he's supposed to do and Batances is is your guy in that situation.
2: So there are people talking about Batista um, not coming in, and we've obviously d- discussed the, the fact that Girardi is very cookie cutter with the way he uses his guys in certain innings, and yada yada yada. There was a, an article this morning on the Post or, um, or the uh, the Times, or I don't know one of the new, one of the papers. <laughs> Go look at it. It was one of them. And <laughs> just Google to, it. Yeah, just Google it. Google it. He was talking about the uh, you know how basically how managers are. Are just making all these insane bullpen moves because they're sticking with exactly that—you know, eighth inning guy, ninth inning guy, seventh inning guy—and it's it's crazy because if you have a guy that's going well, why not run with him? And you know, you had at that point Chad Green, who I think threw an inning and two thirds at sixteen or seventeen pitches, not a lot of not a lot of work, and was rolling. So you know, the other side of the coin is why not just keep going with Chad Green and. He's pitching well. Why are you taking out a guy that's pitching well and has only thrown 16 to 17 pitches? On the other side, I get it. It doesn't matter. To me, I don't care who's, pl- who's in that situation. you got to finish it. You can't, you can't implode, especially if you're bringing in your specialty eighth-inning guy. He's got to come in there and execute like he's supposed to do in the eighth inning. It was not a tough situation. It was not a... Uh, was it the bottom of the lineup? It was a, it was a it bad situation. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter he's if it's walking, the... walking, h- guys. Walking, Dylan guys, is... is- no, there's no excuse for walking, guys.
1: Dylan Betances should be able to get through, no matter who's coming up. The heart of the best lineup in baseball, he's right. that good. So I don't care who's coming up. And could you imagine the it hysteria? It just makes it worse
2: for who it was. That's that's the
1: problem. It makes it worse. Could you imagine the hysteria if Joe left Chad Green in there instead of going to Dylan Betances? People are so hypocritical. Well, people are just
2: ready to no. They're just ready to criticize in whatever the situation. They'll always take the other side because if something doesn't work, the other side looks better at that point. Every time.
1: He he also didn't leave him out there. He brought in Chapman. Do you think he should have brought in Chapman maybe one batter earlier, or maybe when there was no one on base after Gaddis got the home run?
2: I don't know. I think you're just you're playing with fire at that point. Either way. You what, Girardi is in a no-win situation right there. You're bringing in your, your guy, Batances, to, to shut down the eighth inning like he's supposed to do it, like he's done in the past, and he's just absolutely flopping. Chapman probably, you know, he needed time to get ready. He, he wasn't up. You have to go to him at, so, at a certain point. You have to let Batances go because you, gotta, you can't rush Chapman into the game.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I don't think Girardi made any bad calls on, on Saturday night, so it's just... They didn't get it done. And when the losing streak started in in the West Coast trip in June, it was the starters not going deep into games, and then the middle relief was the ones who were blowing all the games. Now, even when we get it to Batances or Chapman, they're blowing the games. So if Dell and Batances and Eraldis Chapman are going to be blowing games, then this team is in so much trouble.
2: Well, yeah, and I, one of the problems before was that, you know, the, the middle relief was playing the back end role of the bullpen too so these guys were in situations where you know they're in much higher pressure situations and they were not the, the delivering and now that you have your guys back they're not delivering it's not Girardi's fault how you know the other thing is I was I was reading all of the mentions after the uh after the the blown game what was that Saturday night and you, you just read everything that's coming at us on Twitter at, at Bronx Pinstripes and it's just so frustrating because Everybody is 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 blaming Girardi for this for this mess. How do you fix? And then there's like fix the bullpen. Just fix the bullpen. How do you fix a bullpen when when Aroldis Chapman and Dylan Batansis don't do their jobs? How do you fix that? It's not fixable. There's nobody else. That's it. it. The buck stops with those guys. If they're not doing their job, then you're you're screwed.
1: Larry Rothschild has some. Blame there. He's. I mean, he's the pitching coach. Him and his team need to get I into guess. that. I guess if he sees something mechanical or something in his windup that you could fix. But yeah, you're 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 right. Largely, it's up to Dellin Betances and Araldis Chapman to figure their shit out.
2: Can we please just blame the players? <laughs> Can they, we please? They give I mean the, the fact, majority of the blame. The fact but, that the players the, that Dellin Betances comes in walks dudes and then they're just taking bases on him. I mean, we talked about how it's so Pujols. Albert Pujols, uh, what, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago seems like a year ago. It's so long ago because it's been the longest three weeks or two to three weeks. You know, you get out there and I can't even talk. Uh, Pujols is on one leg stealing bases on him. He can't hold anybody on, looking like John Lester. And, you know, Altuve is just making him look like a chump, just taking bases.
1: Yeah. Just taking bases. A walk turns into a triple.
2: And then, the, and then the, um, the announcers are talking about that they're not going to give these guys stolen bases because it's
1: defensive indifference. Horseshit. It's a what stolen you, base. I don't care if it looks easy. It's still a stolen base. So that is something that Rothschild needs to fix. That is, a, that is the thing that, it, that Batances needs to fix is holding runners on.
2: Yeah, I don't know how you're gonna do that in the middle of a, a season and, and just start toying with new things.
1: He has to I don't know. Fix he needs it. to learn a slide step, or he needs to learn a better pickoff move, or he needs to vary his times to the plate. He's so slow, he has this big leg kick and it's the same every single time.
2: Yeah, it's easily timed. That's the that's the thing. The players know it's coming and it's and it takes forever to develop, so they get a giant Lead and they get a uh, that secondary lead is is ridiculous because that by the time he's he's planting his foot and delivering the ball they're halfway down first baseline, usually or, or the third the third baseline,
1: usually it doesn't matter because he doesn't let people on base, and if he gives up one hit in an inning but no walks it's fine but when you walk three guys in an inning and give up hits and give up stolen bases this is what happens,
2: yeah bad stuff bad stuff
1: what did you think of Clint Frazier?
2: I, I mean, impressive. I think he did a really good job. Obviously, I mean, he had a, a debut for the ages. I mean, what was that the the um, the first guy to have a a home run and a double in his debut for a Yankee? Like that's crazy. Yep. Um, he's on a short list of, of guys who got um, extra base hits. I mean, there were there were a few records that he set that night, and you know, he looked he looked good. Obviously, that first fly ball was funny because it, it, it was. He, he talked about how high it was hit, and it was the highest fly ball he's ever seen, and you kind of get lost sometimes in those those balls that just disappear into, uh, I guess, into the lights at this point. But
1: and there's no domes in AAA. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. So you know, I, I think he did an extremely good job. I mean, obviously, there's there's really no disputing that. I think that first at bat, he was uh, kind of set up with, the, and then and then struck out on a really good pitch, and you saw it coming a mile away. But um, yeah, good stuff. I mean, really good stuff. Handled himself well.
1: He was also playing right field, and he's a left fielder.
2: Well, I th- he's been playing right and left field in, in Scranton. He he's been playing the corners. They've they've gotten him both sides. He played. He was a center fielder before he came to the Yankees for the majority of the time. And with the Yankees, I, I think it's pretty clear that we're going to be seeing him in either left or right field. Most likely left field.
1: What? Um. So I liked I liked Gleiber calling him El Rojo. Yeah. On Twitter, I feel I like that's a good a, nickname for him.
2: I think it's uh it's it's already been decided though. I think it's already it's Red Thunder. It's when the Yankees start endorsing something on social media, it's very difficult to steer away from that.
1: He but he when he talked to us, he said that Red Thunder was a Cleveland thing. He needed uh Yankee fans to step up to the plate and and give him a new nickname.
2: It doesn't have no, he said it didn't have to be a new nickname. It just he's got to see if that's what they'll embrace and it looks like that's being embraced. Look, as soon as the Yankees start putting it everywhere on social media, you almost have no choice. That's, that's it. Right. That's what that's what it's going to be called. I mean, he's going to be Red Thunder, so.
1: No. So no surprise that the Yankees came out flat after blowing that game on Saturday, but they lost 8-1 to on Sunday. Severino didn't have anything. He got hit around. Six earned runs and five and a third innings pitched. Severino made the all-star team. Do you think he deserves to be on the all-star team?
2: I think when you look at the total body of work and you're out there voting and looking at what he's done and, and look at his stuff, probably when you see the individual, the thing that, that, that still is happening are these bad, bad blowups. And they're not they're not the type of, of game where you need your, you know, your potential what because I mean he's turning into our, our one two guy, right? He's turning into that top of the rotation type of starter. And the top of the rotation starters, when they have a bad outing, when they don't have their good stuff, they need to limit the damage and they need to keep you into the ball game. And he's still having these blow up games where he is just, you know, letting up way too many runs early in a game and burying a team. And that stuff needs to be limited. I think when you're looking on the outside end, you don't see that. And you just see the numbers and you see the electric stuff. So, I mean, I get why he's in there, absolutely. But it's still frustrating watching these uh, these these in-between starts when you see such dominance and then you go back and he's giving up six earned runs in five innings. Just...
1: Right, because he goes out against the White Sox and has twelve strikeouts, and it's potentially the best start of his of his season. And then he goes out against Houston, a much much better team, in a position the Yankees could really use another dominant performance, and he can't he can't deliver it.
2: Well, and he was talking in the post game too about how his slider wasn't working, and then when his slider doesn't work, because he's got three pitches, and that third pitch is relatively new with the changeup, then he's fastball changeup, and you could tell that even when he was talking about it, he didn't feel a hundred percent comfortable with his changeup. He's not confident in that changeup still. And when the slider is not working, he's basically got one pitch then. It's his fastball. And when that is when you're going up against a very good lineup like Houston, it's a huge problem. It's a very big problem. You can get away with it, I think, when you're going against a White Sox team that is, you know, a lot of borderline fringe major leaguers. Exactly. But the fact is, when you when you line up when you go up against Houston, one of the better lineups in baseball, and you don't have that slider and you don't feel comfortable with the changeup, you're still throwing it, but you're not confident in that in that changeup. And the one confident pitch that you have is your fastball, so you're probably going to it more, and they can see that. Then you're going to get hit around. And he needs to he needs to either either gain the confidence in the changeup and show the confidence in the changeup when the slider's not working. Or just continue to throw the slider, even if, he's, if it's not right, just to show things. Because apparently he's wearing it all over his face when he's not comfortable with that second pitch.
1: I just think it's interesting that I think if you were to ask a lot of Yankee fans, they might not think Severino deserves to be on the All-Star team because of those blow-up starts, like you said. Right. But when you look at his baseball reference page, overall the stats are pretty good. So.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it's, they look like all star numbers. They look like they're, they should be up there at some point. And, and I think that's what people are seeing. They're seeing the strikeouts. They're seeing the, the velocity. They're seeing, you know, some of the, the win loss total stuff and the ERA. It's not, it doesn't, you can't really see these six earned runs in five inning games that are scattered in there.
1: The same will probably be said for Betances, who made the all star team.
2: Absolutely. It's, it's the, <laughs> you could probably actually, if you looked at the reference baseball reference page of, um, Tyler Clippard might be able to make a case for him.
1: Yeah, I think I think the cat is out of the bag on that one. Everyone knows what Clippard was in June. Sanchez also made the All Star team, and uh, his offensive numbers are great. So uh, that's what got him there.
2: Yeah, and to to be fair, I, I think you know ever ever since that very bad week of defense. I think we've, we're starting to see him clean up a little bit. And, and again, you know, I was, I was getting razzed on Twitter about the fact that the injury played into it. I still don't think he's injured. I still don't think the injury played into it. I think he had a bad stretch of, of being a defensive catcher, and I think that, that happens. And I think that's when you, ha- when you're, when you have a bad stretch uh, of, uh, of your defense or offense or whatever, that's when the coaches will get all over you because there are things that you could correct at that moment. If an injury is playing into that, they're not going to get all over you because they know what's happening. They know you're you're, you're either you know being careful with something, and there's, that's the reason you're not doing certain things, whether it's offensive or de- defensively. I don't know. I just to get a bad stretch, and uh, uh, to me, it looks like he's he's starting the, the correction process and getting back to uh, to form because I didn't see very many balls get through him. Um, you know this this past uh, this past series.
1: Another stat I want to mention from the Houston series is that Carlos Correa is officially a Yankee killer. He is Evan Longoria or David Ortiz or any of the historic Yankee killers, batting 500 against the Yankees this year and 384 in his career. So maybe let's not pitch to Carlos Correa if we can avoid it.
2: Yeah, well, the problem is, is the rest of that lineup is filthy, too. There's, the problem is with, when you deal with that Houston Astros lineup... You got you to gotta pick and choose your battles because there's a lot of them and they're up and down that lineup. So let's go after Beltron and McCann. How about that?
1: <laughs> we know how to get those guys out. <laughs> all
2: right, guys, I'm going to tell you a little bit about ZipRecruiter, who is one of our sponsors. Obviously, coaches know the key to a winning year is a strong roster. They need players with the right skills and experience to get them from all the way from opening day to October. Co- companies are not any different. Successful businesses need top talent. So where do you go to scout for new employees? You can't find the best candidates if you post all on one job site. You need to post on all the top job sites. And now you can with ZipRecruiter. At ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with one click. Then their power for technology efficient matches, efficiency will match you with the right people to your right position. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike any other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on... On Candidates Finding You, it finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. There's no juggling emails or calls to your office. You simply screen, rate, and manage your candidates all in one place in the ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Right now, listeners of the Bronx Pinstripe Show can start forming their own winning team at ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com Bronx. That's ZipRecruiter.com Bronx. Try it for free today at ziprecruiter.com slash Bronx.
1: Before we get into mailbags, I want to thank you guys for rating and reviewing the podcast. You guys are really coming through on that. Over 300 at this point and over 220 written reviews. It's awesome to see. If you guys enjoy this podcast, please go give us a five-star rating and review. It helps us out tremendously. It also makes Scott and I feel good. So you know, you'll know you're doing a good thing there. All right, let's get into mailbags. The first one is from Judah, and he says, should we be worried that players are now getting called up before they are ready? Examples like Wade, Frazier, and Fowler, or is the experience good uh, for the time being?
2: I think when you're in AAA and you're, one, a a position player in AAA and you've gotten to that point, I mean, I think you can make that jump at 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 any moment. That's my opinion. I think defensively there's probably the bigger shift, but I think offensively with the bat, you can, I mean, you. If you look at a lot of the a lot of cases, there are. Granted, there are some cases where where it just doesn't translate, and guys are, you know, the the four A guys, and I think that's what uh, unfortunately Ruff Sider has been kind of exposed at the plate as a four A guy who's been able to hit in Triple A, but not really been able to to turn it around in the majors. But I think the the, the batting. Uh, the offense actually translates a lot better, so I don't think there's any stunt. I think it's always good to have them come up and at least get a cup of coffee to see what it's like because it's overwhelming in the beginning. But you know, I think if they're talented enough and they're they're doing well in AAA at that point, they can come up at any time. And obviously, we've seen that with Frazier, who got off to that really good start, Anduar who seemed like he was playing in just a regular baseball game. Um, Tyler Wade has struggled a little bit, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't really see it being a problem.
1: Do you know what the ironic thing is? I think out of all of the guys that we just mentioned, Anduar was the one who was rushed the most.
2: Yeah, that's you're right. And he lit it up the first game.
1: It's great to see. And it's all it's this is one of the positives that I think we can take from the Yankees. Horrific June is that they've gone to guys in the minors, all of the guys we just mentioned, and they've all contributed in one way or another. Obviously the Fowler situation is is unique in a bad way but all of those young guys all of this hype that we've seen on this Yankees farm system is legit because these guys are coming up and they are making an immediate impact think about all of the 2000s into basically last year you can count on one hand the number of position players the Yankees called up that they had contribute we've had double that in just the last year and a half it's it's really awesome
2: yeah, no. There's an embarrassment of riches of, of good players in the uh, in the minor leagues, and it's not just AAA. I mean, you're starting to see a lot of these guys starting to move up to the ranks, and there's almost becoming a logjam of top talent that's slowly moving up. I mean, now Mateo is in in Double A, and he's he's gotten off to a good start in Double A, and you're starting to see a lot of these guys just take the next spot. If a guy gets called up, then you're seeing another call up from Double A. They're just they're reloading at, at every single level, and it's impressive. There are a lot of guys um, that are, at, even at Lowa that are starting to make moves and, and play very well. And not to mention the Yankees. I mean, we haven't even talked about, we're not going to go deep into this because it's so many years away, but the international pool signings, I mean, there's, they just they just got a really uh, nice haul from what all the scouts are saying in the International League. So they're loading and loading and loading. Um, but back to the question on the, on the immediate impact, I think what you're seeing is like Anduar, the reason why he's not up there still and the reason I think they don't want him to get, you know, a ton of playing time because they don't think his defense is ready. And we've known from the Yankees standpoint, that's extremely important for them. And I think that's the one area that you got to make sure your defense is ready before you get to the majors because you will get exposed very fast.
1: They also needed a fourth outfielder,
2: I guess. But there's guys that I mean, like ref Snyder could play the outfield,
1: but he's uh, not, <laughs> he's I know not hitting but wh- and he's not a, a good outfielder. Of, so then why is he on the team? That's, that's a better question. Is What yeah. are they doing with Ref Snyder? Right now, he's taking up a roster spot.
2: I don't understand the fact that they're bringing up all these outfielders when they have the, the Ref Snyder there if they think that Ref Snyder is still a player in the major leagues. I don't get it. It's not making sense to me. Like, bring up another pitcher if you're going to do that. I don't understand. It's, it's almost like a, a waste of a guy because he's not playing. Uh, he's not, when he does play, he doesn't produce. So I, I just don't understand the, the reason for him being there.
1: He's not injured. That's the one complaint about all these guys coming up, and also on the major league team, there's just too many guys are getting injured. And if there is an emergency situation, Girardi knows he can play Ref Snyder in the infield or the outfield. It might not be the prettiest thing, but he can do it.
2: I guess. But that's not what's losing games right now. What's losing games is the fact that we can't pitch, and they need to start bringing up more pitchers.
1: Yeah, I don't want to. Let's not. uh, I don't want people to think we're blaming Rob Ref Snyder for the Yankees' uh, struggles recently.
2: Oh, no, we've all blamed the Yankees for Rob Refs struggles. <laughs> I think that's that's the underlying theme, although he has not produced when he's gotten opportunities, you know, for him. But I still think the best move for him is outside the organization.
1: All right. What's next?
2: Next is from Julio. He says, in these painful weeks, I have a couple of questions. Wouldn't it be a good idea to use D.D. higher in the batting order? Didi and Castro are very constant hitters. And not streaky like Guardy. Of course, offense is not our main issue, but you need to try something different to have a different result. Also, trade deadline is approaching. What prospects do you consider that are untouchable and which ones would you trade?
1: So easy answer on the untouchables. And it's funny because I saw a report that the Padres made a call about Gliber Torres. But I think Gliber Torres is probably the only untouchable.
2: I I agree with you, and well, even if he wasn't untouchable, it's not a good time to trade him anyway because he's injured. You know, great that there's no nothing saying that that injury is going to have any long term effect whatsoever on his on his baseball career. But at the same time, he's still an injured player. You don't want to trade an injured player because it's not at the top. Um, But yeah, I agree with you. I think he is extremely untouchable, and I don't think anybody else is. I really don't.
1: No, and but we're going to get into this in a few in a few uh, of the next mailbag questions, but. That doesn't mean we want to trade a guy like Clint Frazier. It's just we would for the right deal. To Julio's first question about moving Didi up, we saw it over the weekend. Didi was batting in the three spot and also in the cleanup spot a couple times. And I love it. And Didi's in the final vote for the All-Star team. Everyone go vote Didi. I think he would maybe... Have been voted in fully if he didn't start off on the disabled list. But uh, Didi is continues to be one of my favorite players. We said this from the beginning of last year. He's so consistent. He's clutch, which is the best thing out of a player. If a guy can hit yeah. with runners in scoring position, instant, uh, instant, one, instantly one of my favorite players. So he's fun. He's a great clubhouse guy. He's active on social media. We couldn't have asked for a better replacement uh, or su- uh, successor to shortstop than Didi.
2: No, no doubt. And he goes so far under the radar as far as shortstops go in baseball and specifically the American League. When you guys got when you have guys like uh, um, Correa and Lindor there, you know, there's a there's just a, a lot of guys that are, are in that same spot at the same time. I mean, it's it's kind of a uh, this is probably over overstating. I but a golden age of shortstops in the American League, but there are a lot of very over again. there are a very a lot of very good shortstops in the American League, which is awesome to see. I mean, that's that's what you that's a, one of those positions that's always been kind of glorified in baseball. I'd say shortstop and center field are the two most glorified positions in uh, position players in in baseball. And look, DD just does everything very well. He does everything very well. And like you said, the clutch, the clutchness to me is is one of the most important factors of a player. Because if you have a player that's doing well and he cannot hit in a situation where you need him the most, then <coughs> what's, what's what's the point of that? Yes, it, it looks good. There's a lot of fluff, and yes, there's uh, it, it helps you in um, in early points of a game, and and de- definitely games can be won and lost early in uh, early in a game. But when you have you know high pressure situations and this guy just continues to come through situation after situation you got to you got to love that guy and um you know he is great dude always wearing a smile on his face good clubhouse guy love didi
1: The next question is from Jared, and he says, I think the past week or two of games have shown that the Yankees need a bullpen arm more than a starting pitcher. ESPN and the main media, who don't follow the Yankees every day, still say the Yankees need a starter. You guys say the same thing. Isn't it clear that the bullpen is the main problem right now, even more than the starters?
2: Here's my problem with this. The problem is is that, yes, they need a bullpen guy. There's no doubt. But unless you're going to get a dominant, dominant Back end bullpen guy that has a true, a proven track record, you, then you're going out and getting a guy that that is, uh, you know, he's good but not great, could probably will probably have bad, you know, a bad stretch similar to what we're seeing now. I don't know, it's just way more unpredictable when you're looking at a bullpen guy. And if you see what they what you have to give up, what what the other teams gave up for Chapman and Bingo Mill at the back end. You cannot go after those guys. So when we're talking about the bullpen piece, then you're looking at, you know, another middle reliever or a guy that's, you know, maybe a potential back end guy. But then you're getting into very, you know, muddy waters with consistency and a guy that you can really go after without giving up a lot. So I don't know. It's a tough situation. I think there's more you you can get a more defined starting starter for uh, for your controlled starter for some of your prospects and to me, that's more valuable at this point uh, than, than just some guy that's uh, that maybe will help you out.
1: A lot of people were throwing around David Robertson as a potential bullpen target for the Yankees. I'm not quite sure what the White Sox would want for him because I know he's making a decent amount of money and they're trying to rebuild, so they might just want to offload some payroll. But if he's going to cost you a prospect of... Um, I don't I don't want to throw names around cuz I'm not really sure what they're looking for but maybe a, a 3 to 5 in the Yankee system type prospect that is a way overpayment for David Robertson yeah. for somebody who frankly I'm not sure is going to push you that far it's not going to make you that much better of a team and it's really a this year move and I'd rather them be making moves for for the future because this team is still on the upswing I know everyone got excited from the first couple months of baseball Scott and I included. We got really excited, and I still would love this team to make the playoffs. But you got to look at bigger picture here. Not ready to ship out assets for a freaking bullpen arm.
2: No, absolutely not. That's the thing, and especially when you have uh, two guys that are just supposed to be lockdown dudes. I mean, if you go around baseball and you look for a better option than Aroldis Chapman and Dylan Batantis, not looking at what's happened over the past week and a half, but you just look at the player themselves. You're going to say no. There's not a better option. These are the guy. If there is, it's marginal. These are two of the best options in baseball right now. So now, so what are you going to do? You're going to go out and get a another dominant guy and put him in the seventh inning? It's just I don't know. It's just not. Uh, it's not what you need right now. You need these guys to perform better. You have. Option. You, I to me, my my thing is you just got to keep rolling out some of these minor league guys and see if we can't develop another arm for that for the bullpen that could be a, a consistent guy, a la Chad Green. I think Chad Green can be a big piece of this bullpen moving forward, and I think there are more guys like that in the farm system. Um, I think Ben Heller is a, a guy that's going to contribute at a high level at some point. You know, maybe he's not ready now, but I I do think he's got that potential. So. Are you going to tell me that you go out and get like a let's say a Sean Doolittle, like a guy like that? Is he going to do better than a Chad Green right now? I'm not so sure.
1: Also, you kind of touched on this, but don't you agree that Batansis and Chapman will be will be fine? They'll get back to being their old self. And yes. if that's the case, I'm confident the Yankees bullpen will save plenty of games.
2: Oh, absolutely. And when you have a when you have a, a dominant eight nine innings, or uh, eighth and ninth inning guy, and the rest of the bullpen's going to theoretically improve they're going to be not worked as much they're going to be you know they have less innings to work because you have that that back end solidified it's they just nobody's been pitching well nobody's been playing well for the past three (laughs) weeks and it's just it's making all these problems so much bigger and it's making them look so much worse and I totally get it because that's that's exactly what's happening it's a new thing every night too it's, yeah, but if you're it's looking, it's the bullpen,
1: or it's the starters, or the or the the offense doesn't come up in a clutch situation. It's it's one night; it's a different thing each night that causes these losses.
2: I, I think we're all on the same page that the offense is not the problem, though. You know, the the pitching is the 100%, 100%. problem, hundred percent, And and it has changed on who that problem is within the pitching staff. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a problem. I just don't see a quick fix. Even going out and getting a guy, no. it's not. I don't see it as a quick fix, and I don't see it you know, making this team that much better.
1: I just think the Yankees have deficiencies other than missing one bullpen arm. And you you add a bullpen arm and then the team doesn't get any better. And then what? You just wasted a prospect.
2: So let's get into the next question because I have more thoughts on this, but cool. it's kind of into the next one. Uh, the next one's from Clint Hawker. He says, how how long do you think Frazier will be up? Also, would you guys... Uh, I'm sorry. Also, who would you got from the Yankees farm system... Would you be used to make a trade for a pitcher like Sonny Gray or Jericho?
1: <laughs> Maybe I should have proofread that
2: yeah, it didn't make sense at all the uh so let me let me get into real quick I'll, I'll just give you my thoughts on on these these two examples because I think there's a lot of guys like that um, Sonny Gray is a guy who came up has you know early on in his career was dominant very very you know highly touted um rotation guy he's locked up for what two more years I think something like that I'm looking you, it up right now so he's a guy that's a, a dynamic starter injuries have been a problem with him he's not a big dude I have a feeling if I'm looking at the way he throws and just and I, I I gotta be honest I've been been pretty pretty spot on with a lot of my predictions with injuries this uh Sunday grade to me is an injury waiting to happen at any moment well, he has been another
1: injured. one huh he has been injured. I know, but
2: I'm saying it's going to... I don't think he's fixed. I think there's there's, there's more down the road from him. He also had a um,
1: finger injury, which is... Um, I think he had a finger injury at one point last year, which is not... I mean, that's, that's a one-off.
2: Yeah. But the fact is that you're looking at these guys, and you have to make the decision right now whether they are a short-term fix for this team, because then you think this team is a one short fix or two short fixes away from competing for a championship and not and not then you know, putting off the rest of the years that you're rebuilding towards? Or is this guy someone you can give up some assets, part of your rebuild, and get a guy that's controllable that is now part of your rebuild? Those are the two situations you have to look at. And to me, Sonny Gray, I think I've changed my mind on him in the sense that I don't want to give up prospects for a guy like Sonny Gray because to me he's just too unpredictable with the way he throws and with the you know his health. I want the Yankees... Given the current situation, Jared Cole is a guy that I do not want. I just don't want him. He's he's so wishy-washy. He's good one day. He's terrible the next day in the National League. I don't want him. I don't want anything to do with him. I don't want to give up anybody for him. Just please don't give me Jared Cole.
1: So they're both earliest free agency is 2020, their arbitration through the 2019 season. Okay.
2: So I want the Yankees at this point to see what they've got with, with their current roster. I don't think that they should be going after... Any short-term guys, to me, that's a, a, a very short-sighted move. But and if you're looking at what the management has done, they're not going to do that type of thing. I don't <laughs> see that happening. I think they have so many bullets that can help right now in the minor leagues that they should see what they got. If there's a minor, minor deal to help them you know, do something and they can catch lightning in a bottle, fine. But I don't think they should be making any major moves.
1: Cole and Gray would be long-term moves, and so would, say, trading for Jose Quintana.
2: Yes, I agree with you. But again, Cole is just you just an don't like those long term. I don't like you don't Cole, like those pitchers, right? So
1: you're fine if it's. Um, do you like Jose Quintana? Do you like the idea? But the of the, the value starting... is
2: too. Yeah, I, I'm fine if he's controlled. But the best one, you're like you're saying, is Quintana. He's the guy, right? He's the he's, he's probably, the, the prize. But he's yeah. you're also going to have to give up a, a ransom for him. Oh
1: my god, it's going to be like kiss Clint Frazier goodbye plus other prospects.
2: Yeah. So to me, I think that the Yankees should absolutely not make that move. Look towards free agency. Look towards making a deal in the off season when the stakes aren't as high, when the the package isn't going to be as high, and 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 build from there. I don't think the guys um, that the the management should be you know trading their high assets at this point. I really don't. I think we need to see what we have.
1: Well, the free agent starting pitching market this coming off season is Michael Pineda, Jake Arrieta, Yu uh, Darvish, and potentially Masahiro Tanaka.
2: Yep, and that's to me that is. Are, are yeah, any of those guys better great. or worse that's, that's uh, okay, but are they better or worse than Sonny gray or Jericho?
1: Oh, I'd say that they're worse in the sense that they're a lot more expensive.
2: who gives a shit at that point It's money it's not giving up prospects it's, it's still keeping on the same path
1: oh, but it's for, it's
2: keeping on the same path as you're you're not giving up any of your assets at that point. you're giving up money to go after a championship and you've still got your young
1: guys, but That's it's a be much better situation them, it, the uh, if you sign Arietta, who's 33, I think that's uh, a disaster waiting to happen because he's going to want his 20 million a year, but he's going to be pitching into his late 30s. If, I, I, I don't want any part of that. And then Darvish and Tanaka are both still, I believe, 29 years old, but they have the injury history. And Michael Pineda, ha ha ha, do not <laughs> sign him.
2: No I don't want to deal with Michael Pineda anymore. I'm done with him. I, you know I'm not, I'm not fooled. I will never be fooled. I got I just, fooled once. I yes, promise to never be fooled again. Tanaka, I you know still out there to see if he's going to opt out because he most likely will not at this point. Uh, but given who's on the free agent market, you know even if he has a bad year, he still might because the, the long-term potential, he still might be able to make a, more money in the, in the long run. I don't know. I just they're marginally better maybe, but not, it's just not enough to give up my guys. It's not enough to give up my top prospects who have just unbelievable ceilings.
1: But you understand that all of these prospects can't play for the Yankees.
2: I do understand that. I get it. But at the same time, you got guys who are getting older, like Brett Gardner. You got guys like Jacoby Ellsbury, who they're going to eat the contract at some point. There are spots that can be filled from the top, top prospects. These guys can play on this team together. There is enough room.
1: Yeah, you don't want to... You don't want to give up that dream at this point. (laughs) If, say, the Yankees were, it's the uh, trade deadline, and they are tied for the division lead with the Red Sox, and a starting pitcher will definitely put them over the top, would you want to do it then?
2: No, because I don't don't see who the guys are. Uh, Again, it depends on the value. It depends on what the situation is, in my opinion. I still think there's guys, because, honestly, I think there are guys who are in the minor leagues, that are eventually going to help this team. I think guys like Justice Sheffield, who's pitching very well, is a, is a guy that's continued to progress, that can help this team later in this season. Later this season, he can help this team. Well, Chance Adams is a guy Chance that can help Adams. later De- this season. When September call-ups happen, we have starting pitchers that I think can help this team this year.
1: I think that if you get one more injury, you're going to see Chance Adams as the, as the starter.
2: Yeah, Rob Snyder's 40-man spot is on high alert, high, <laughs> it's alert,
1: been on high alert, because that
2: is, that, is, that is a spot that they will replace. I mean, to me, that's an opening in the 40-man, because at this point, you know, it's going to be a player to be named later who we're going to get for Rob Snyder.
1: Let's move on to a question from Ben, and he says, a bit of history that I think is flying under the radar. Aaron Judge and Cody Bellinger are both on pace to break Mark McGuire's Mark McGuire's rookie home run record of 49. Judge has 26 bombs through 74 games. He's on a 57 home run pace, and Bellinger is right there with him. Aside from being a cool marketing item, do you think there's any significance to Judge potentially setting the rookie home run record?
2: Yeah, I think it's fun. I think <laughs> I think it's fun. I, I think well, a baseball lot of this... is meant to be fun. It is meant to be fun. I think a lot of people forget that with with these uh, with all these people, you know, completely shitting on Aaron Judge with the potential of going into the home run derby. Well, well, guess what he does at Who's every doing batting that?
1: practice. I think everybody wants to see Aaron. No, Judge No, oh, you kidding me. R- r- Yo, go r-
2: read the mentions. There's a million people on Twitter. Oh, who people do not saying want he's
1: going to get injured. He's going to be Bobby yeah, Abreu. Yeah. cursed All they and think all of all is
2: stuff. Bobby Abreu. The only yeah. thing that look we have uh, John John Blay in, on our uh, on our writing team is putting it together. A, a piece about the Home Run Derby over the past, I think, five years or so, the participants and what their second halves look like. So keep an eye out for that because it's interesting. And there, I have a feeling, I haven't looked at all the numbers, I haven't dissected all of the numbers, but I have a feeling it's going to be one of those things where you look at it and you're like, okay, well, no, there's no, there's nothing really saying that he's going to bomb the second half because he participates in the Home Run Derby. You know right. what it is? It's fun. It's good for baseball. It's good for Yankee fans. It's good for Aaron Judge. It's good for everybody. So let's just see it happen.
1: I think it's awesome the fact that you got Judge and Bellinger, who are both rookies, both going for the home run record. Anytime you can get Mark McGuire out of the, the record books, I think Major League Baseball likes that. Yeah, But home runs are up. We've talked about this. You can Google ball baseball juiced and you'll get a billion articles about it. So home runs around the league are up. But Aaron Judge and Cody Bellinger are doing things above and beyond all those other players. It's awesome. We also have a question from Daniel Schneider, who, which relates to this. So I want to read that now. He says, both Judge and Sanchez have played about 100 games each in their career. It's a little more now. This was about a week ago. I am curious where they stand against other Yankee greats through their first 100 games. So we had our intern Dom look up some stats. And uh, for Aaron They're ridiculous.
2: Judge. They're ridiculous, ridiculous they
1: For Aaron Judge's first 100 games, 296 batting average, 345 at bats, 77 runs, 103 hits, 30 homers, 70 RBIs, and a 1,016 OPS. That's pretty much all from this season alone. He only had four home runs last year and he was terrible, but those are tremendous numbers. Probably the best out of any of these on this list. Gary Sanchez is right there with him. Also a 296 average, 110 hits, 33 homers, 79 RBIs, 986 OPS. It's right up there with guys like Yogi Berra, Lou Gehrig, and Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio is the one who I think can rival them the most. Th- these are ridiculous, stupid numbers from DiMaggio. He had 153 hits in his first 100 games in 1936. And 96 hmm. RBIs.
2: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. The, but when you' and you're looking at the numbers, it, first of all, it's impressive and very coincidence, a big coincidence that judge and Sanchez, I mean are very, very much on a parallel on a parallel uh, run with their first hundred. I mean, their numbers are almost identical. It's pretty crazy. But when you look at when you look at their numbers and you compare them to the greats and, and you're seeing their first hundred games, um, granted, there were different times. Uh, you know they came up with different ages. Uh, how old was Mickey Mantle when he came up? Nineteen. I mean, he was super yeah, young. Right? I think
1: he was the youngest ever to hit a World Series home run until Andrew Jones Andrew broke it in '96.
2: Yeah. So I mean, he comes up at at a very young age. Granted, J- Aaron Judge is 25 years old. So you're seeing these numbers are um, there's different you know contributing factors, obviously, but it's impressive when you look at them and you compare them to the greats because they're right there with with everybody else. So we're, I think what we're watching is some tremendous baseball by two very uh, prolific offensive guys.
1: Hey, Scott, would you have signed up for this if, you, if we told you a year ago Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez would be right there with Joe DiMaggio through his first 100 games? Uh,
2: yes, Andrew, I would have signed up for that.
1: <laughs> so I think people need a little perspective on what this team is doing and how, how amazingly fast it has turned around.
2: Yeah, well, and, and the fact that Judge is doing what he's doing because nobody, nobody nobody saw this coming. And nobody saw the fact that this guy was going to put the bat to the ball as many times as he did this year. And that's the most impressive thing.
1: Yeah, it's. Um, we thought we saw history with Gary Sanchez last August, and we did. And now we're seeing history times two with, with Aaron Judge. Because if you look at his month-by-month splits, they're identical, slightly improving each month, which is insane to think he, he is becoming a more patient hitter he's taking his walks he's not chasing out of the zone if he does it pitchers are afraid to go in the strike zone with him because he absolutely demolishes the ball and he embarrasses pitchers by hitting 480 foot home runs
2: he's getting the Barry Bonds treatment too I mean with uh two outs and nobody on he's getting walked
1: yes that was one of the uh I think that was one of the first times that had happened without a pitcher hitting behind the hitter
2: right it's so there's a there's a tremendous amount of respect through the league, and I think that's one of the most telling factors that this guy is for real. The fact that they're trying to find holes and they can't. The the fact that they're trying to lure him outside the strike zone and they can't. I mean, in one year, the discipline that has come to this guy and the respect throughout the league, even after they've watched the tape, even after they've faced him a few times, now he's getting the the treatment where I'm not I'm not even gonna mess with him because I can't get him out.
1: It's it Judge and Sanchez are the the two that are that stand out the most. But as we touched on earlier, it's all the other guys that are coming up and and contributing. It's great to have the blue chip prospect turn out like Sanchez and Judge, but you also need the second tier prospects to contribute to your team.
2: Yeah. So, so this is a don't trade them. Just don't trade them. Let's just see what we got. Give us a year.
1: Yeah. All right, guys, thank you for submitting mailbag questions. A lot of good mailbag questions this week. If you want to do so, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast, and you can fill out the form and submit a mailbag question there, or you can tweet us at Yankees Podcast. My handle is at Andrew underscore Rotondi, and Scott's is at Scott Reinen. Remember to call the voicemail line 646-480-0342. I'm excited for the voicemails to come. Scott, any last words?
2: Enjoy one more week we have uh, until the All-Star break comes. Hopefully they can turn it around and, and you know win some games going into this and not have such a big deficit. But it's a crucial time because with the way Boston's playing and the way that they are uh, you the know, three-game lead can turn into six very fast before the All-Star break, and the Yankees really need to make sure that doesn't happen.
0: Believe it or not, George, isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep.
1: I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home.
0: This Yankees team might be the most frustrating damn team I've ever watched in my life. I do not know why I do this to myself. <laughs> what in the world is Girardi thinking? 3-1 game, two guys on, nobody out. neither can Tyler fucking Clifford. And what you do, wild pitch, walks the next guy. I couldn't even wait until he finished blowing this game because I know he's going to give up a home run to a player right now. What the fuck? Chapman, Green, the chances. Bring somebody in. Bring me in. I could fucking pitch better than Tyler freaking Clippers. I'm fairly confident that if Headley bats directly in front of Judge and Sanchez for a thousand more at bats, with the old for a thousand. God, this team is annoying right now. Hopefully they can squeeze out this win. The is one out into the inning. Let's go. I don't know who had a worse time in New York. Phil Jackson or Christopher. So much for the fucking bullpen. that's the
1: greatest in all baseball when they've given up six fucking games. God There you have it, Yankee fans. The worst fucking loss of the season. Listen, I'm not a Joe Girardi hater. I actually defend the guy quite a lot. That was the worst fucking game I've ever seen that guy manage last night. Why the fuck is
0: Jason Trey
1: in a five-run game, and Domingo Herman in a a two-run game. It doesn't make any fucking sense. I mean, easily, easily the worst loss of the season. Again, why the fuck are you using Shreve in a five-run game? Why are you using Potantis in a five-run game? Everything that Joe Girardi did on Monday night came back to bite him in the fucking ass on Tuesday night. Uh, Just unbelievable. I, I can't get over this loss. But we got to come back strong tonight. we gotta, we got to win this
2: series. We, we can't lose a fucking series to the White Sox. We can't do it. Let's go Yankees. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done.